Good morning, everybody. I wonder how many of you can remember the first time you drove a car. Well, I remember that day very, very well. It was my 17th birthday. I've been looking forward to the day for uh, many, many months, and I was very, very excited. My uh, dad and I were working uh, in the same office in Cheltenham at the time, and uh, so on our lunch break, he, uh, he drove me out to a, uh, a remote road in the middle of nowhere. We stuck L plates on the car, and then he gave me the key, and then I was, I was away. I was able to drive the car for the very first time. And to put no finer point on it, I was terrible. Okay, so I didn't quite do this, but uh, I made lots of mistakes. I, uh, I stalled the car, I couldn't get the gears to work, I couldn't even steer the car. What uh, I thought looked really easy was actually very, very difficult. Uh, and uh, it was uh, a good job that we were on a, a rural road with no other traffic about, because it would have caused at best inconvenience and at worst extreme danger to other road users being around me at the time. So maybe you can relate to that same experience. And I'm sure many of you have, uh, have, have never learned to drive before, but at the same time, <clears throat> you have learned other skills, maybe reading, uh, learning to read and write, or learning to dance, or learning to, uh, learning t uh, to play a musical instrument. Or maybe, like my son Ruben, you got your driving license from, from Legoland. <laughs> other theme parks are available. But uh, whatever it is that you've tried your hand at, I'm sure you've had this same experience of being absolutely terrible at it at first. But thanks to the, to the patient, patient coaching of your driving instructor or your teacher um, or your tutor, you have uh, been able to gradually get better and better uh, and, and finally start to excel at that thing that you've wanted to do. And in many ways, God is a little bit like a driving instructor, or a music teacher, or a sports coach. Except the skill that he's teaching us is the most important skill of all, and that is to live well. So I like to call it, sorry, wrong way around. I like to call it the apprenticeship of life. The Bible talks about discipleship. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And what that word really means is to be a, an apprentice or to be a learner. Life is a learning process. But in God, we have a master who gives us the tools we need to live well. And in Jesus, we have a friend who has lived this life on earth before us and excelled. But just like driving a car or riding a bike, we often get things wrong. And so that leads us on to the theme of uh, today's talk, and that is sin. Now, sin is a very loaded word. In truth, it's a sort of word we use a lot in church, but we probably don't use it much in other parts of our lives. We probably very rarely use it in our workplace or doing our hobbies, or even at home uh, with our families. And in fact, if you look at any dictionary definition of sin, 
it uh, describes it as an infringement against some kind of divine law or some kind of religious law. And that brings up connotations for us about a, a hateful God who is making up arbitrary rules to stop us from enjoying life and taking pleasure in punishing us for not following him and for getting things wrong. And of course, that is a completely incorrect view of God. And it's also an inc incorrect view of sin. What the word really means in the original Hebrew or the Greek really comes from um, archery. And it means literally to miss the mark. So if you've ever tried archery, as I have, you'll probably find that most of the arrows don't hit the bullseye. Some of them are a little bit off. Some of them don't even get anywhere near the target. And that is like life in general. We sin, we miss the mark. We have a bullseye, we have the right way of living. But um, for lots of different reasons, we don't hit it. And so that is a proper understanding of what sin means, to miss the mark. So what I want to do today is to go through a few questions that came to my mind when thinking about sin. And you may have uh, lots of other questions as well, and I, I probably haven't got time to uh, talk to them all today. But here are just a few things that I think is worth exploring as we try to understand what, uh, what sin means and how we need to deal with it. The first question is, how do we know what sin is? And here are some suggestions that might help. First of all, uh, in the passage today from uh, 1 John, he says that we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, in this day and age, we're quite used to rules and commands. You must stay at home. You must cover your face. You must keep your distance from other people. So it's something we've come very used to. But of course, commands are something, rules and laws are something we've always had. And we have the Bible, and that is uh, written guidance there in black and white from God himself about how to live well. So let's use the Bible as our first point of reference to understand what sin is and what the right way of living is. The second thing is conscience. So even if we never set eyes on a Bible and we have no knowledge at all of the teachings of God, we all have a conscience, a God-given intuition about good and evil. So we are without excuse. So we should listen to that inner voice. We should listen to that conscience. And then the third thing is consequences. The choices that we make have consequences both for ourselves and for others. Being aware of these consequences helps, us to, guide, helps to guide us between right or wrong. However, I, I would argue that we shouldn't rely on any, any of these three things in isolation. Even though all these are useful tools to help us identify sin. First of all, commands. As we heard two weeks ago when Will introduced this series, the Bible is not a legal document. It is a narrative. It is a story into which we are invited. 
So it does contain the commands of God. It does contain his blueprint for living well, but it was not designed to be exhaustive or to cover all eventualities. In fact, relying on the Bible alone, or at least uh, reading it incorrectly, puts us in danger of following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And in fact, Jesus himself uh, criticized those who were very good at obeying the letter of the law, but had somehow lost sight of the big picture. We should also not rely too much on our conscience because our conscience be can become dulled and it can become a blunt tool for discerning sin. And also the consequentialist argument that says that an action is only wrong if it has adverse consequences of somebody else is flawed because we do not, not always see the consequences of our actions. So if we rely on consequences alone to identify sin and to help us know right from wrong, then we do not get the full picture. So we should use all these th the three things in unison in order to help us know what sin is. What is the next question? Where does sin come from? Now you may have heard of the term original sin. Now last week Anne shared with us how God created the heavens and the earth and he saw that it was good. He also created us as humans in his own image and he called us good. So what went wrong? Well we only have to get as far as Genesis 3 to see the story of how the first humans, Adam and Eve, decided they knew better than to follow God's perfect plan for creation. And that is really the root of all sin. It's this tendency to defy the tuition and guidance of our master. Not trusting him to be in control, but rather to go on our own way. And that is the idea that we are following a God that actually we don't want. We want to do it our own way. But Adam and Eve did not do this alone. In the passage we read today, John speaks of light and darkness, two polar opposites uh, working against each other. The Bible is clear that there is a source of this dark power set up in opposition to God. In Genesis 3, this person is identified as the serpent. Elsewhere in the Bible, by other names like Beelzebub or the devil or Satan. So sin is in our very DNA. It's something that has been passed down from generations to generations. In Romans it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we just have to look around us to see how true that is. You will have heard and probably used the phrase, nobody's perfect. And no sane person would disagree with that statement. And in fact, that's just another way of saying that all are sinners, that all of us have missed the mark. So if sin is in our DNA, we could ask, well, is it really our fault? Do we have to take responsibility? In fact, is there even any point trying to be better? So there's no such thing as a perfect driver. And in fact, if anyone thinks they're a perfect driver, they should probably hand in their license straight away 
or maybe exchange it for, for one from Legoland. But just because I'm not a perfect driver, does that mean that if I make a mistake, it isn't my fault? Does that mean I'm, I should uh, just drive however I like and um, ignore all the rules? Because, well, I'm an imperfect driver anyway. Well, of course not. That would be stupid. So we need to take responsibility for our sin. The next question. Is all sin the same? So my answer to that is, is no, it isn't. And in fact, when we talk about sin, it helps to be specific about what we're actually talking about. So, if you're learning to drive or learning the steps to a new dance, you need to know what you've got wrong, not just that you've got something wrong. So the same it is with sin. We need to name the thing that we're struggling with. Um, hopefully in the, in the notes uh, below this video, there should be a link to uh, a blog that Will wrote uh, a few years ago, uh, which I would um, recommend you, you read. And this contains different words and phrases that might be more helpful to be specific about sin and the different types of sin and the things that sin actually looks like in reality. And so here are some of those words. And I won't go through them all now, but, but please do read the blog. So, for example, the word evil is used a lot in the Bible. In fact, it just means the opposite of good. But today we sort of reserve that kind of very strong word for the very worst of abuse, the things that we would think that no human being could ever do to another human being. But not all sin is intentional. So often it's our negligence, our thoughtlessness, our carelessness, which can cause hurt to others. And in fact, even our brokenness, our failure to see ourselves as God sees us, is sin. So all of these things are different. And even within these categories, there are huge differences. But it's all sin. It's all missing the mark. And it is all um, yeah, missing the mark of a life well lived. So what is the solution to sin? And I'm not going to go into this uh, in too much depth because I'm going to pass on to future speakers in, in, in uh, subsequent weeks who will unpack this a little bit further. But I think it is important to finish on this note and particularly because the uh, passage from 1 John that we read uh, gives us some clear indication about what to do about sin. The first thing is, be honest. John says that we should confess our sins to God and he will forgive us. And this basically means just be honest, be specific about the things we're struggling with. If we stay in denial about our sin, then it gets us nowhere, then we don't get off the first step. Once we've done that, be forgiven. So imagine if my dad or my driving instructor kept bringing up all those mistakes I'd made in the early weeks of driving. This would have really been unhelpful to me. So they were willing to forgive my, my mistakes and move on. 
So how much more is our loving Father in heaven willing to forgive our sins when we confess them to him? The Bible also talks about repentance, and this basically means to do better, to not keep making the same mistakes over and over again, but to make progress in our learning. In fact, if we want something to aim for, uh, verse 6 in chapter 2 provides it. We must walk as Jesus did. Uh, oh yes, sorry. So, um, that's what we should do, but let's think briefly about what we sometimes do, if we're really honest. And that is, we look at all these different sins, and we sort of draw an imaginary line somewhere among them. And we say that those things above the line should never be forgiven. These are terrible things, things that I would never do. We should never be willing to forgive those things. And things below the line are things that do not need to be forgiven. And, you know, by, uh, by some coincidence, those are the things that we do. And so we feel, well, you know, nobody's perfect. We can't, uh, you know, we, we can't help it. Uh, and therefore, we, we don't need to be forgiven. And if we take that attitude, we completely stifle this kind of process of repentance that I'm talking about. We deny the grace and forgiveness of God. And we also do ourselves out of the benefit of improving ourselves and living better. So don't do that. It's been nearly a quarter of a century since I have had to put L plates on my car. But I still have so much to learn. I still make many mistakes on the road. I still have to apologize to other road users. But I try to learn from these mistakes and become a better driver. So it is with life in general. Sin is inevitable, but it detracts from the joy of life and causes so much pain and suffering. But the good news is, is that isn't the end of the story. We are not alone. On the apprenticeship of life, we have a master who loves us, forgives us, rescues us, and gives us everything we need to live life well. Now, we don't want this to be a one-way uh, monologue uh, of, uh, of teaching people in the church. We want this to be a conversation. So it might be that there are some questions that I've raised which uh, you want to unpack a bit further, or maybe there's other questions that uh, you, uh, uh, you want to raise that I haven't covered, or maybe questions from, from the previous two weeks. So, uh, or maybe there's something that I've said that doesn't quite seem right. So we really do want to hear from you. And again, uh, in the notes to uh, this live stream, uh, there's an email address that you can uh, send your questions to. So I'd encourage you to do that, and then we can come back and have a further conversation and unpack this further. So please do engage with us, and do stay tuned uh, as we uh, 
uh, talk more about the fundamental basics of our faith in the weeks to come.